afraid of, like, ice and snow. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) One of the reasons I'm so afraid of ice and snow Uh is my first job, we Uh had an ice storm in Portland. Yeah. And I was calling the restaurant, Uh because I was a hostess, I won't say where, and I was like... (laughs) I know where. (laughs) And I was like... Are we ha- are we in work today at all? And uh-huh. nobody was answering the phone. Oh, for so Pete's I was like, sake. okay, well, and I opened. Yeah, or yeah. I was one of the openers. Uh huh. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna walk to this plate restaurant, and it's like two miles away Oof. from my house. And I was live tweeting the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh my follow, all twelve of my followers will love this. This will be the best. This will be it. And so I get there and there's a sign on the door that's like, we're closed today because of the ice storm. <laughs> and like, I had, I had muscled it there, but then was like, ugh, dejected on my way back. <laughs> and I passed by a Jiffy Lube. Yeah. On my walk back. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, hey, um, do you want coffee or anything? We have no like customers and you seem cold <laughs> and sad because I really wasn't hiding it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll take a coffee. <laughs> And so I got it, and I was like, you guys are the best, Jiffy Lube, thanks. And I, like, walked, and just as I got around the corner, I slipped on an ice patch and literally threw the coffee (laughs) that I had just gotten was my, like, saving grace. And I was on my back. Like, my feet left underneath me. (laughs) And I laid there for, like, two, three minutes, and I was like... I was like, is it worth it getting up right now? Or will they just find my cold, frozen body? <laughs> Leave me here to die! I can't go on! <laughs> and I was like, you know, <laughs> this will be gold for Twitter. So I got up, because I was still live <laughs> tweeting, and just took a picture of the cup and was like, I am dead. <laughs> and then continued my cold, dejected walk home. Oh. Oh, well, hello the there. Best. Hello. Welcome to That Broad's Got Moxie. Da-da, da. Da-da. I'm Kiana. This is Cassie. And uh, it is Sunday morning. Yeah, it's a morning. It's a morning. We're drinking cocktails. <laughs> Still drinking, though. <laughs> Still drinking. They're big. Yeah. There's I... mustache straws involved. Mm-hmm. I got a Bloody Mary. I have a Mai Tai. <laughs> didn't even try it didn't to be breakfasty it didn't i just went full full cocktail it's like a bellini and no, don't a mimosa. <laughs> just no champagne all rum yeah i'm a morning pirate <laughs> uh all right well before we begin before we begin i do want to give a shout out to sage yes krenning the man who made our intro song it only took me four episodes to decide that he deserves something (laughs) yeah thank you thank you sage oh and maybe scoops yeah let's we'll do a little shout out for our friend Vinny, who made our our super cute cover art yeah in exchange for cupcakes because that's how we do yeah (laughs) (laughs) those those boys are great Mm -hmm. and you know always Big round of applause out there in the world for Danny because <sighs> I will not. Oh, I was gonna say I'm not gonna clap into the microphone. <laughs> Look, golf claps, golf claps hurt her ears. Just blow them out right now. 
uh, this girl has been listening to our voices nonstop. <laughs> she hates us now. For hours. <laughs> She's like, you know what? We were going to get married. I'm kind of over it. <laughs> I'm actually not allowed at the house anymore. I'm no. outside a window right now. <laughs> <laughs> she got sick of me eating gummy bears that last episode. <laughs> Chewing directly right. into the mic. <laughs> Chewing and sipping and sipping and chewing, and, and Danny was like, coughing. "You need to stop it. <laughs> no longer allowed in the house." Yeah, like an animal. Also, I wanted to just throw this out there: something that we have been talking about, Danny and I, not mm-hmm. Kiana and I. I'm trying really hard to like push myself. To not be afraid to say things. Yeah. Because, like, I, guys, this is Cassie. I'm very, very white. <laughs> I am, I'm, I come from a long line of, like, real Anglo people. <laughs> <laughs> and so, talking about people of color or people who are a different religion or, you know, just whatever ethnic background or, you know, a background that I am not, mm-hmm. I'm like, this isn't my story to tell. So I just like, I'm trying really hard to remember that I'm not, I'm not saying it's my story, mm-hmm. but I just want to make sure that everything that I'm saying is the truth as far as I can find on Wikipedia and other various <laughs> websites. Anyway. That being said, I'm really excited about yeah. <laughs> about the person um, who I'm talking about today. Yeah. Who goes first? I know. Who goes? Who goes first? It's you. It's because me? I... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I started then, last time. It's February, and it is mm-hmm. Black History Month. And it dawned on me that neither of us yeah. have, <clears throat> have talked about black women, so we're going to... We're going back... And I'm going to talk about Sojourner Truth. Oh! (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. So, Sojourner Truth is super important. She's one of the foremost leaders in the abolition movement and was one of the earliest advocates for women's rights. She was like, we need to get rid of slavery for real. Like, wipe it out completely because it's dumb. Yeah. And the worst thing. Yeah. And also, I'm tired of being treated like shit because I'm a woman. Yeah. Is... Okay. What? Is she the Ain't I a Woman speech? She is! Okay. Yes! She's... Round of applause for Tiana. <laughs> Good job. I thought so, and then I was like, I'm gonna wait a little bit to see if I'm right. I don't want to shout out the yes, wrong answer. She is. Actually, I have... I, I copy and pasted the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably read the whole thing, but... Um, yeah, she, she is, she is that woman. Have you seen mm-hmm. Carrie Washington's, um, she gave that speech. At, like, really? A, yeah. No, I didn't. I love Carrie Washington though. Yeah. She's lovely. Yeah. It was, it's very good. Is it? I'll have to, yeah. I'll have to. It's, I mean, it. it's the exact speech. Yeah. But, and said by an actress. Oh, I bet it's powerful though. Yeah. It's still real powerful. Nice. All right. Well, noted. I will have to go watch that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> So, at the beginning, let's see here. So, Sojourner Truth was born Isabella Bomfrey 
Ooh. Um, <laughs> I, right? <laughs> Not even close to Sojourner Truth. Uh, yeah. So she was born. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Bomb freeze. Bomb free. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime in 1797. So, turn of the century. Um, but we don't know exactly when. Uh, she was born into a slave family in Dutch, like a Dutch speaking county of New York. So she's already up in the Northern States, but abolition isn't a thing. There's slaves everywhere, not just the South. This is, you know. Yeah. It's American history. It's American history. history. Exactly. Uh, she was bought and sold four times throughout her, her early life. Uh, and once she was sold at an auction at the age of nine, along with the flock of sheep. So they're at an auction. And mm. <laughs> this guy's like, you know what? I'll take that one and that hundred head of sheep for a hundred dollars. Did you do a calculation of how much that costs today? Okay. 1800, in 1800, a hundred dollars is equal to... $1,904.82. Oh. In two, that was in 2016. So it might okay. be slightly different. But, yeah. so, $100 in the early 1800s is almost two grand today. Today times. So, yeah. I mean, pretty, pretty significant considering she's a, it's a human life. Yeah. That's I being mean, sold. You can't you can't put a price on that. I mean, you know, $200 for a flock of sheep, maybe. That's a bargain. That's a, bargain. <laughs> That's a huge bargain, but also to throw in a human child is very <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yeah, like terrible. It's terrible. Uh so she worked in harsh conditions um doing, you know, lots of physical labor on on this farm that she worked that she you know, lived on, was yeah. owned by, and, you know, received very violent punishments. Not, not at every, at every farm, but pretty significantly terrible childhood. Yeah. As it were. Yeah. I don't think a, a single slave would be like, you know what? My childhood <laughs> was A plus. A plus. Let's see. Around 1815... Isabella fell in love with a slave named Robert from a neighboring farm. And the two had a daughter named Diana. Robert's owner forbade the relationship because any children produced in their relationship would belong to Isabella's owners and not Robert's owners. Yeah. So he's like... Um, <laughs> look, you can't do this because if you guys have children, I'm losing money. Yeah. What a fucking dick. What a dick. I cannot say this enough. Slavery? Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just really want the audience to know. Terrible. Yeah. Just really... <laughs> Every time. (laughs) Every time it's happened in human history. I mean, we got the pyramids, but uh, we just threw thousands of lives at it and said, you know what? Yeah. Make this. It's really appalling. You know, uh, I'm going to just say it. Not worth it. No. Human suffering, not worth a giant (laughs) (laughs) building. Pyramid of rocks. (laughs) 
Oh man, I hope nobody <sighs> gets mad at us for talking shit about that pyramid. Right? Oh, <laughs> these haters. We're gonna have haters because of our pyramid slandering. But you know what? I'm not. I'm not backing down. <laughs> no, we will die on this pyramid. <laughs> Slavery is bad. <laughs> Terrible. The worst thing to happen. Okay. Sorry for interrupting. That's okay. Back to the story. Where are we at? I'm losing money because you're having babies. Sorry. <laughs> not Kiana. Not Kiana. We're talking about we're talking about Isabella and Robert and them having children. Okay. In eighteen seventeen, John Dumont is um he's the owner of Robert. He he I think he sold Robert. Okay. So Isabella and Robert are no longer together. He buys Isabella and forces her to marry another one of his slaves named Thomas. And with their relationship, they had a son named Peter and two daughters named Elizabeth and Sophia. Mm -hmm. So in the state of New York, which had begun to negotiate the, um, the abolition of slavery in 1799. Uh, so they decided to emancipate all slaves across the board in New York State on July 4th, 1827. Okay. So, they... It's not perfect, but they're like, hmm, maybe this is the worst thing to happen, so we should get rid of it. Yeah. (laughs) But we're not going to do it yet. We're setting a date. We're going to let everybody get their shit in order, get their ducks in a row, uh, and then then we're going to abolish slavery. Yeah. So, however, John Dumont had promised Isabella to emancipate her in 1826. He was like, I'm going to, we're going to go ahead and I'm, you know, I'm going to let you go free in like the fall of 1826. And he didn't. She was like, uh, time's a ticking. Yeah. <laughs> um, when are you going to let me leave? Yeah. And so... Later that year, she escaped with her daughter, Sophia, to a nearby abolitionist family. And I I didn't write it down, but it was a quote of hers. She was like, I didn't run because that would be illegal, but I walked away because it was what was, like, right. Yeah. So she had to leave Elizabeth and Peter behind. Oh. But she took the youngest, went to this abolitionist family called the Van Wagners, um, the family, the Van Wagners bought her freedom for $20 and then her son, Peter was illegally sold to a family, a uh, someplace in Alabama. Oh. So the Van Wagners helped Isabella sue the family to get Peter back. So Van Wagners, pretty good people making some good decisions to do what is right, what should have been done hundreds of years ago, and this, yeah. you know, slavery shouldn't have happened in the first place. However, they were like, let's, let us help mm-hmm. and try to make reparations for suffering. That's... Suffering and shitty things that have been happening to you. Yeah. Doing their best to be allies and advocates exactly. for the movement. Exactly. Uh, so the, the case that Isabella filed against the man in Alabama was one of the first in which a black woman successfully challenged a white man in a United States court. 
So not only did she say, this is unacceptable, I want my baby back. Yeah. (laughs) Ribs. I was going to, you said that and I was like, I want my baby Baby back, back, baby back, back, baby back. (laughs) Chili's baby back ribs. Danny and I have a friend who lives in London or just outside of London and for the longest time she would always tell Danny that she ate ribs for dinner and mm-hmm. so now in her in Danny's phone her name is ribs <laughs> <laughs> it's great Nat we love you <laughs> Nat I don't know you but hello hello <laughs> and welcome hello and welcome to the podcast this is that broad's got moxie we're bringing it back around okay let's we're, just start over right sojourner truth where are we she got her baby back. She got her baby back. Ribs. <laughs> Guys, it is a vicious circle of ribs in here. Oh, gosh. Isabella's early years of freedom were fraught with several strange events. After converting to Christianity, Isabella and her son, Peter, moved to New York City. This was in 1829. So she worked as a housekeeper for this christian evangelist named elijah pearson she worked with him for several years and then became a housekeeper for this guy named robert matthews who had a growing reputation as a con man and cult leader (laughs) (laughs) we love a cult aka he was hella charismatic he was hella charismatic (laughs) and had very sympathetic points exactly that ended up Bad. Bad. Probably. Bad times. Cult. Yeah. Not good. Not great. Um, but probably better than slavery. Probably. I cannot say on the level, on the spectrum of bad, slavery. Slavery is at the top. Cults fall a little lower underneath Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got a look and it was priceless. <laughs> That was a stance. <laughs> that was a stance. Cult leaders, can, whatever. You know what? We're not going to go into it. Anyway, so this <laughs> man, Robert Matthews, it basically said he was the resurrected prophet Matthias. Okay. I don't know who that is. I, I'm going to be honest. But he's a prophet. Danny oh. doesn't know either. She just gave me a shrug. So anyway. Everybody in this room, going to hell. Going to hell. <laughs> She, uh, so she's working for this Robert Matthews guy, says he's a resurrected prophet. Shortly after she started working with Robert Matthews, her old boss, Elijah, died. And her new boss and herself, uh, so Robert Matthews and herself, were accused of poisoning her old boss. Oh. Yeah. Due to the, like, cult leader. Yeah, the whole the whole thing. Yeah, they're kind of known. So they're known for it. Yeah. So he is accused, and then a couple of people called the Folgers, and now I don't know if it's the, the Folgers, <laughs> the coffee people. I w- I think it is though. I think it's like ancestrally. Oh. Yeah, the Folgers. I mean, rich people. They they go back. They a go. Long they time. go way back. They they really keep that bloodline going. Sorry, speaking of rich people, do What's you know up? the actor, oh, what, Armie Hammer? Ar- Arnie? Yes, okay. So his name is Armie Hammer. And this is, okay, I'm about to tell you a fact from Zeth, so if it's wrong, tell me. It's him. Okay, okay. Armie Hammer. Armie Hammer. Armie Hammer 
is from Baking Soda Fortune. <laughs> the brand, Arm and Hammer. His great-grandfather is named Armand Hammer, and his dad is named Michael Armand Hammer. Oh. And his name is Armand Douglas Army Hammer. I cannot. Isn't that wild? <laughs> that is beyond. It's interesting. Funny. Laugh harder. <laughs> There's a guy named Army Hammer who's from the Arm and Hammer fortune. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is just a fun fact for everybody. It's a fun fact. Apparently um, not a funny fact. <laughs> I mean, I am, you know, owner and proprietor of Sparkle Fart Cupcakes, <laughs> but... That means your kid's going to be named <laughs> Sparkle Fart. <laughs> I'm going to get a bunny rabbit one day and adopt it and named it Sparkle Fart. Yeah. Cob. Cupcakes. Cupcakes, cop. I don't know. We'll hyphenate it somehow. <laughs> or just make it one. Cob cake. Cob cake. <laughs> Sparkle Fart Cob cake is the name of your, <laughs> it's the name of your future bunny. Oh, I love it. Ugh. Where are we? Anyways, so rich, people, for rich people. Rich people. The Folgers. So... Robert Matthews gets very specifically, like, they were like, you did this, you're a crazy <laughs> cult leader. And then the Folgers, who were followers of Matthews, mm-hmm. were like, no, 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 he didn't do it. His housekeeper did it. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Scapegoat City. Yeah. Uh, surprise. Surprise. It's the black lady. It's the black lady. She definitely did this. And she was like, Wait. oh, Hell no, I did not. Oh, okay. No, she didn't. I thought, I thought you were like, she definitely did it. And I was like, wait, then that's not a scapegoat. No, 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 no. Also, she poisoned somebody? <laughs> My life has changed. <clears throat> okay, sorry, I'll stop interrupting. Oh, she didn't say. do it. She didn't city. do it. But Folger said she did it. Yes. And she was like, oh, hell no, I did not. So, she's she's, the charges against her are dropped. Matthews is acquitted, and then he hit the bricks and went west. He was like, "Oh, all of this, uh, all of this controversy and talking about my cult leaderness here, I'm just gonna leave." Oh, so he did do it. Probably, <laughs> he fled the scene. The husband did it. Yes, the cult leader did it. Probably, probably, definitely did. Good guess. <laughs> uh, so in 1835, after all of the. All of the court and everything dies down. She brought a slander suit against the Folgers for accusing her, and she won that one, too. Damn. She's killing it in the court of law. When did she change her name? I'm getting there. Okay. I was going to say, she just kept winning these cases, and she's like, damn, I'm the truth. Right? (laughs) That's my last name now. Exactly. Fuck this name. It's, I mean, it's a little more spiritual than that. Oh. But. I'm sorry. Anyway, so she won her baby back. She won it against. <laughs> she won her baby back. Ribs, ribs, and then and then her second lawsuit against the Folgers. She won. Mm-hmm. So she's two for two right now. Really, really yeah. killing it. So on June first, eighteen forty-three, she's you know she has devoted her life to preaching and the abolition movement and. She's basically said that the spirit, with Mm -hmm. a capital S, the spirit called on her to preach the truth. So she changed her name to Sojourner Truth and devoted her life to Methodism 
and the abolition of slavery. Oh. All of this leading up to this day, she's like, I feel it in my soul. Feel it deep within. Feel it deep within. Feel it in my ribs. In my ribs. (laughs) In my ribs, in my heart, in my soul. Changing my name to Sojourner Truth. Which is a good name. It's such a good name. It's a real powerful name. Yeah. It's... It, it makes you go, that's, that's makes a you, hell of a name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I would listen to her. Yes. Last name Bomfrey? M- maybe not. I would casually Also, l- can we eavesdrop. think of a whiter name than Isabella Bomfrey? Don't they take name? Didn't oh, slaves yeah. take name from... Oh, absolutely. Their... That's, that is not her family name. Yeah. By any means. It's just the people who owned her. Which also, I think, was probably really liberating to be like... I'm a free woman. Mm-hmm. I'm I am creating my, my a name for myself mm-hmm. and unshackling myself literally yeah. from from this name that I was given. Yeah. And that's, taking on something that is important to me. That's if, if I'm not mistaken, that's where the last name Friedman came. Friedman. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. It rose in popularity at the time of emancipation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to talk about that. They're like, fuck this name. Exactly. Won't keep this name that I was given. Yeah. I'm taking taking my life back. So in 1844, Truth, uh, Sojourner Truth joined the Northampton Association of Education and Industry um, in Northampton, Northampton, Massachusetts. So... This organization, it says, supported a broad reform agenda, including women's rights and pacifism, which is great. Yeah. The whole idea. This, you know, they're, they're, it's important to them that the, that everybody becomes Mm -hmm. a free man Mm -hmm. and that education and jobs, oops, I banged the table. Oh, I gotta look. <laughs> uh, it's in, it's important to them that these free people then have access to education and jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's what this whole group is. But also, these members live together mm-hmm. in like a big self-sufficient kind of commune. So this is where she met other leading abolitionists of the time, especially Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. who's a black man who's a freed he mm-hmm. was a freed slave um who then became uh you know one of the leading voices of abolitionists mm-hmm. there's a um just a recommendation for listeners yes i have not read it yet mm-hmm. but levi has because levi is very into comics there's oh. a comic book about his life story really that is very good interesting mm-hmm. we'll have to figure out what that is maybe we'll post that on instagram so, Sojourner Truth never learned to read or write. Um, so, in 1850, eight, 1850, mm-hmm. she, dedi- she dictated what would become her autobiography, the narrative of Sojourner Truth. So, she just sat and somebody took a lot of notes and tippity-tap typed it down. And so, she served... Were typewriters were invented? Yes. Okay. Hold on. We're going to Google. <laughs> I'm almost positive. Danny is our fucking Google expert today. Just, she's... We got it. We, it's the morning, so we have a lot more questions. <sighs> God, our brains are not quite awake. 
Mine is hopped up on my tie. I'm halfway through this. Oh my god, I want one. Guys, I've never had a Bloody Mary. Woof da. The first commercial typewriters were introduced in 1874, so I was wrong. So somebody dictated her, listen, scribble, scribble, scribble. Scribble, scribble, scribble. tap, tap, tap. Open mouth, insert foot. No typewriters were available at the time. <laughs> she dictated her book, The Narrative of Sojourner Truth. Somebody scribbled it down with pen and paper, and then they turned it into a book. Uh, she survived on the sales of that book, which also brought her national recognition. Uh, after that came out, she met other women's rights activists, including Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. Is that Katie? Elizabeth Cady? Elizabeth Cady Stan. Yeah. I thought it was Caddy. <laughs> Elizabeth Caddy Stanton? Is it not? It's pronounced Katie. <laughs> mean girls. I'm going to call you Caddy. Uh, uh, they were racist. They were super racist. I mean, they were they were white. They didn't. So, okay, here's the. And here's they were. Here's why I get so mad at them. Tell me. And we'll probably. I'll probably do a story. You'll probably. We're going to come around. Uh huh. But they started off as abolitionists, and then when they felt like it was either one or the other, oh, they were like, "Oh, you're gonna give a a black man a vote when I'm white?" Exactly. And it was like, "Well, you're a fucking dick." And Frederick Douglass was like, "We can still go for both. Like, I don't understand why you're doing mm-hmm. this." Mm-hmm. And I do think near the end of their life they reconciled, but but yeah, so it was very much like. One or the other. Yeah. Like, we can fight they, for black people's rights, or we can vote for women's rights. Yeah. But then it's... Ooh, we're leading into it. Ain't I a woman? Ooh, ooh we're ooh. getting there. We're getting there. Ooh, I'm fired up. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the next paragraph. I do have something real quick to note. So, she... Not, not only was she, you know, for abolition and women's rights, but she was all also... Um, an advocate for temperance did I didn't know what temperance was because temperance is being against the consumption of alcoholic beverages and to that I have a firm stance let's cheers to cheers. that <laughs> guys mm. um Ooh, all the rum was at the top <laughs> I mean the bottom the bottom I take a hard stance against temperance mm-hmm. <laughs> because I like my ties on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and that is <laughs> it's easy like Sunday morning. That's right. <sighs> so I said, I put in big capital letters. No goddamn way. <laughs> in 1851 at the Ohio Women's Rights Convention, she spoke out about equal rights for black women, and this is when she delivered her famous Ain't I a Woman speech. Hell so, yeah. in it, she challenged prevailing notions of Rachel and Jen... Rachel. <laughs> Rachel and Jennifer. <laughs> Rachel and Jennifer in period. <laughs> uh, racial and gender inferiority and inequality. Uh, so let me just find a little blurb here. 
she says, she said, part, oh, this part I liked. She said, if the first woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all alone, these women together ought to be able to turn it back and get it right side up again. And now they is asking to do it. The men better let them. So she's, she's just calling them out and saying, like, yes, we're women, but also, like, I'm a black woman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're, yes, we're, we're doing all these things for women's rights, but also me. Mm-hmm. Ain't I a woman? It, yeah. There's, I'm just going to keep doing book recommendations. And, tell tell and me. It's, I love it. And Black History Month, all the the comic book that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and what I'm going to mention now are black authors. Perfect. But Bell Hooks. Okay. Heard of her? Yes, yeah. She has her her f- first book that she wrote is called Ain't I a Woman. Beautiful. And it really talks about the intersections of the experience that black women have. Because when we think about, like, black rights, we think about black men. And when we think about women's rights, we think about white women. And left out of both those narratives are black women. Absolutely. It's super it's intersection. No, f- feminism it's, is very important. It is. It is. It's so important. That's one of the reasons why when I was doing the research for this, I was like, I don't have a pony in this race. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, this is not my, it's not my truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said at the, at the very top of this, um, how, it, but it's so important. Mm-hmm. It's so important to talk about and make people aware of these women who are forgotten or who are ignored or left out Mm -hmm. because they don't fit into just one box. They fit into both. Mm -hmm. And so we, we need to talk about it. Yeah. And oftentimes they were like pressured into choosing one of their identities to value more than the other, which is like impossible because if you have both experiences as a woman and as a person of color. Exactly. It's just, you can't, yeah. you can't be made to choose. Yeah. Like, just thinking about that in, in my, the context of my life, mm-hmm. you know, would be like if somebody said to me, well, you can choose to fight for women's rights mm-hmm. or you can choose to fight for LGBTQ rights, mm-hmm. but you can't do both. Yeah. I'd be like, mm, no, no, no. Cause I fit into both of those boxes. Yeah. So. It's it's a great speech. It's very important. And like you said, we should all go watch Kerry Washington. Yeah. Give the speech. Give the speech. And also read the book, yes. Ain't I a Woman, which Ain't I, I think woman. is free online, unless I found it illegally. <laughs> but. Which is entirely possible. But go and find it. And who wrote it? Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks. I should do an episode on Bell Hooks. You really I should. love her. And she has so many good views that she articulates so well and uses so many examples within her books Mm -hmm. yeah she has one called real to real race and movies oh black looks like a good one race and representation um all about love is one of my personal favorites i'm gonna listen to all of these they're uh they're so good i got time i love it okay yeah we will i'm definitely downloading some of those where was i ain't i a woman speech ain't i a woman Let's see. So, the the speech, Ain't I Woman, is talking about racial and gender inferiority and inequality. And so she's doing this by reminding listeners of her combined strength and her female status. So, 
saying like, yes, I'm this, but I am also this, Mm -hmm. which makes me a strong person and I can fight for both causes. I put, she ultimately split from Frederick Douglass. Mm. Um, They went their separate ways because he believed that voting, you know, voting rights, excuse me, voting rights for formerly enslaved men Mm -hmm. should come before women's suffrage. Yeah. And she was like, we can do both of these things. Yeah. I, I refuse to. <laughs> I refuse to stand on, you know, on this and, yeah. and not actively fight for both of them to happen. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Didn't want to be told to wait. Exactly. Exactly. So during the 1850s, Truth, uh, Sojourner Truth settled in Battle Creek, Michigan, uh, where three of where her three daughters lived. She continued speaking nationally um, and helped slaves escape to freedom. So when the Civil War started, she urged young black men to join the Union cause and fight for the Union side, obviously. Mm-hmm. And she also organized uh, supplies for black troops and battalions and things. She's doing a lot. Mm-hmm. She's really... Putting the work in. She's putting the work in. She's making it happen. And then in 1864, she became involved with the National Freedmen's Relief Association. So again, this is another another group of people that she has joined helping freed slaves find jobs and build new lives. Uh, on at least one occasion, she met with Abraham Lincoln and sat down with him and said, Look, this is my story. This is what we need to make happen. Yeah. Um, let's see. In 1865, she attempted to force the desegregation of streetcars in Washington, D.C. So, she's like, she is a predecessor to Rosa Parks. Yeah. And there's another woman who also... Yeah. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, though. I think there were... I think there's it, probably more, but I think there were specifically yes. two women that I know of mm-hmm. who were prior to Rosa Parks. And then the other girl, I think, was in Montgomery, Alabama also, but she was a um, That's pregnant right. teenager. That's right. And it wouldn't be good for the face of... And her mom and her mom told her, like, her, her family and, and everyone around her told her, like, to keep it quiet and don't make a big deal about it, mm-hmm. et cetera. But yes, you're right. So yeah. Sojourner Truth predates them by, you know, mm-hmm. almost 100 years, and was riding a streetcar in like I said in Washington DC that was designated for white people. And when a streetcar conductor tried to violently block her from riding, she made sure she, uh, he was arrested and then she won a case that she brought against him. So <laughs> I was just going to say is she taking that bitch to court she again? She's taking that bitch to court. She is she is three for three. She is killing it because she's she's she, she's facts on her side. She's right. Exactly. <laughs> she's winning because she's right. <laughs> she's right and she's doing exactly what she should be and exactly she's getting what she deserves out of this. She's like, mm-hmm. I don't deserve to be treated like this. Um taking you to court and I'm gonna win again. And she did. She is a boss. Exam. Broad with Moxie. Oh. And then some. Oh, yeah. 
All of it. Tying it all in. <laughs> Tying it in. Why are we talking about her? She's abroad with She's Moxie. She's abroad with Moxie. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. Uh, in the late 1860s, she collected thousands of signatures on a petition uh, to help secure land grants mm. from the federal government for former slaves. She argued that owner- ownership of private property, and particularly land, uh, would give African Americans self-sufficiency and free them from from a kind of indentured servitude for wealthy landowners. So basically she's saying... We need these land grants mm-hmm. to give these these free these freemen mm-hmm. land and places to live and places to start farms and you know companies and do something for themselves mm-hmm. instead of being a, f- a a free person of color, but then still having to work in the servitude of. These wealthy white landowners. Yeah. For for basically nothing. For basically nothing. Ba- it's basically still slavery. Exactly. Yeah. With, you know. With a new title. With a new title. And although she pursued this goal very forcefully for many, many years, she wasn't able to sway Congress. They gave her the brush off. Yeah. Huge, huge slap in the face. It's some real bullshit. So well into her old age, she continued to speak passionately about women's rights, universal suffrage, and prison reform. All of these things were... <laughs> I just looked over and Danny's giving me like a, a, like fist, a, bump. a fist pump in the air like, hell yeah! <laughs> um, she died on November 26th, 1883 in Battle Creek, Michigan. Abolition was one of the few causes that Sojourner Truth was able to see realized in her lifetime. So she went from Mm -hmm. being born into a slave family Mm -hmm. to seeing the abolition of all enslaved people. And that's kind of crazy. So she was, she's only, you know, she's about 86 years old Mm -hmm. when she died. (laughs) But her tombstone says she was 105. Which is weird. That's a pretty... Age difference. Yeah. Dates and records are... Dates and records. At that time. Mm-hmm. All over the place. So, she... But she she lived this in... She lived a very... To a very old age. Mm-hmm. Considering she was born in the... What? Late... In the late 1700s? 1700s? Yeah. That's, you know... That's wild. People didn't live that long back then. <laughs> so, she lived this crazy, you know, full life of, of seeing this this terrible thing come full circle mm-hmm. and end, which I think is really, really incredible. Um, the 19th Amendment, which enabled women, the enabled women to vote. Can I? Please. Enabled, uh, white women. Excuse me. Thank you. Because enabled... Native American women didn't get the right to votes until much later. And I think that's very important. Guys, I would just like to point out, this is why I love Kiana, because <laughs> this bitch is on it. <laughs> I did not know that, and she has got her shit together. The 19th Amendment enabled white women to vote. Um, And that was not ratified until 1920. So not until almost 40 years Mm -hmm. after her death. Yeah. Which is bananas because she fought to, to, for, for, 
abolition of slavery mm-hmm. and the women's right to vote at the same time. Yeah. And it took almost half a decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just. I don't want to speak poorly about uh, white men in government, but they can't focus on a lot of things they at once. They can't. <laughs> they can't. It really takes them about 50 years to go, oh. Yeah. We they can only also do that. They can only empathize with one group of people at a time, <laughs> which is very unfortunate for people who are <sighs> multiple. Multiple. It it really puts a damper on things and then some. I think that's it and then I have the whole like I said I, and I copy and pasted the whole thing, but it's it's great. Everybody go listen to it. Yeah. It's <sighs> so powerful. I listened to it I heard it when I was in, I think I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. And that sort of set the ball rolling for me to be like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> there are, things are a lot more complicated than right what I previously had. Like, just, it just opened my mind more. And it, put, it puts it in such a succinct and powerful way. Exactly. That... Oh, that was one thing that I, I forgot to make note of it. But, so... The the speech mm-hmm. and the um the kind of cadence and mm-hmm. the the wording yeah. that's used in it is interesting because she grew up until she you know until she was a young child she spoke mostly Dutch what yeah because she <laughs> she was born you know yeah okay she was born so she spoke Dutch but she also spoke English and that but she lived in the North her mm-hmm. entire life. She never lived south of the Mason-Dixon line. So the way that the it's written, somebody, when they were scribbling down and taking notes really, really fast, mm-hmm. decided to write it in such a way to make her sound Southern. Really? Yeah. Uh, just the way they kind of say it, and like I said, the cadence of it mm-hmm. is like, this will... It's like someone took the, I don't know, artistic liberty mm-hmm. <laughs> to be like, this would have more punchiness to it. It yeah. would sound, you know, it would sound better mm-hmm. if we add a little, like twang. a little twang to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I, also that was interesting. That is. That is yeah. A, that's a fun um, fact. It is a fun fact. So yeah, that's, that's the gender truth. I got my information from womenshistory.org. Biography.com and history.com. Okay. So I'm just, you know, typed in Sojourner Truth. So yeah, that is that is the 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 mother of you know women's rights. Yeah. She's so good. She's yeah. That's a really good person. It was it was really fun to do this research and be like, wow, this is I am how old am I? Thirty one? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know for sure. I don't know why. For sure. I looked at Danny and went, okay, Danny is 30. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm 31. Um, and I knew of her, but I didn't know any kind of like depth to her story. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really fun to, to yeah. do the research and, and find out all the stuff about her. It was very good. Cheers to Sojourner Truth. She is incredible. But, um, Danny, cheers your juice. Cheers to, your juice. For her memory because she doesn't like alcohol. Yeah. Should we pour one out? Just kidding. There's carpet in here. I'll do it from outside this window. (laughs) From 
from the window that you're just poking your head yeah. in like Mr. Ed. I can just lie into this microphone all I want. All have to you want. Me. <laughs> you can't see me. What are you going to do? Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Kiana's a liar. <laughs> um, so I'm not talking about a lady today. I'm talking about multiple ladies. Yes. <laughs> multiple ladies. Okay. Woo. I've, I've titled, I titled this paper for some reason. <laughs> Is it like bolded? Yeah. Oh, and like you wrote an essay. Yeah. Oh, guys, she's, this is our college graduate, <laughs> Kiana. Recently. Hello. Recently. She killed it. Um, magna cum laude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I know it's Latin. I uh, want to say it as much as I can, because even though it means nothing, I cried a lot <laughs> in college. <laughs> and I feel like I have the right to say it. God damn it. That's the truth. Okay. So this is the rise and fall of the Sukiban girl gangs. Ooh. Yeah. I love this already. Okay. I'm so excited. Okay. So the Sukiban girl gangs of Japan Mm -hmm. were an all-girl street gang. Gangs. It was a movement. Oh, okay. Not an individual gang. Not just one gang. Multiple gangs. Okay. That began in the late 60s and carried out throughout the 70s. Gorgeous. Uh, Sukiban roughly translates to girl boss- or delinquent girl. Yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> and they emerged as a direct response to the overwhelming patriarchal Japanese society. Perfect. Ugh. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So, um, they're kind of, they're like, they're bad, but good. <laughs> they're oh, a gang. We <laughs> love bad girls in history. We love them. I want to know all about these badass women. Because they're probably still alive. Oh, honest, Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't even think about that. Like, there, I it's, bet you there's a gang of them who get together and have tea oh. and talk about, like, <laughs> the Fucking hell shit. they rose. Oh. Yeah. Honestly, maybe. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, that's... Sad. It was... Oh, let me... Okay. It was, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's kind of hard to find stuff about them specifically. Okay. And I'm wondering if it was... It's just because I have to look for things in English. Yes. And so I only get secondhand stories mm-hmm. of what they were. And I've got my sources are from a book called Japanese Schoolgirl Inferno. Mm. Dazed. Uh oh. <laughs> An article from the website Dazed. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh article from Broadly and an article from Next Shark. So they arose from the overwhelming patriarchal Japanese society. Um during this time in Japan, the Yakuza, which are you familiar with? Yes basically like a mafia group Mm -hmm. organized crime they were at their height and they were like getting uh a lot of numbers in their gangs at this time Mm -hmm. but they didn't allow women to join obviously yeah and it's like if you're gonna fucking rude you're gonna commit crime but you can't let a lady like (laughs) right (laughs) dumb how how badass are you actually for real am i gonna i'm gonna be murdered the yakuza Guys, guys, let's just make, nobody. we want to make this really clear. Please do not send the Yakuza after us. Yeah. Um, just, um, just don't tell them. Just, <laughs> just, yeah. Keep, keep it on the DL. Yeah. Thank keep this you. between us, just between us girls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just between us, lis- listener and talking. Yeah. Don't kill me. Don't, please. Um, they didn't allow women to join that race. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, many crime-seeking women didn't think this was fair and felt that women had quote 
the right to be just as stupid, promiscuous, risk-seeking, and violent as their male counterparts. Goddamn right they do. You do you. Yeah. And Ugh. so, Sukiban Girl Group was created. Yes. Okay. So they outwardly rebelled. 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 Guys, <laughs> her Bloody Mary is almost gone. <laughs> mm. I thought I was at the bottom. I was trying to make that sucking sound. <laughs> yeah. Here, let me, let me help you. <laughs> and then I ended up just chugging. <laughs> I was actually fine. <laughs> I did that because you did it. <laughs> okay. Uh, they outwardly rebelled <laughs> against mainstream femininity norms and dove into lives of crime. Uh, crimes included drug use, shoplifting, theft, and violence. And there's a great quote from the Broadly article that said, They were angry at the world, but at least they were angry together. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Nice. I feel like that most days. <laughs> This is podcast. <laughs> um, so they had a look. I am so excited to hear they what have, this They look have is. a very specific look about them. Okay. And um, it was in the 1980s, there was a police pamphlet that described their, their look, their aesthetic, <laughs> as they described it as omens of downfall. Oh. And to be on the lookout for it. So during this time... There was the, like, Western-style sailor mm-hmm. uniform that they wore to school. Okay, yes. So I think, like, Sailor Moon. Yeah, yeah, okay. But they were like, fuck that garbage. So they plucked their eyebrows super thin, had super-duper long skirts, as opposed to the short skirts, mm-hmm. kept their scarves untied, had oversized colorful socks, and wore Converse sneakers instead of, like, Mary Chains or whatever. And oftentimes they would crop their shirts Mm -hmm. because they're like, fuck this prim and proper style. Look at these uh, threads. (laughs) Look at them. Hey, (laughs) I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I love that they were like, "Um, what am I supposed to look like? I'm going to do the exact opposite. Right. That's so perfect. The the skirts were really important to their style because it was directly like, you think we're these sexual objects for you. We're, like, still in school. That's shitty. Um, so, fuck you. And all you can see is my ankles, if that. Exactly. Look at my socks. Like, so it, my giant socks and my converse. Like, yeah. there you go. You're, They're like, we're not it. We're not your sexual objects. This exactly. is a long skirt. Quit fuck fucking you. looking at us. Exactly. Um, if Once they aged out of the school system. Because was, this was their school uniforms that they would wear. Okay. But once they aged out, they would embroider their, um, embroider roses and kanji symbols into the uniform and keep mm. wearing it because this was, this was the look of the gang. This was the look. It's a badass look. Yes. And between layers of their clothing, oftentimes they would conceal weapons like razors and metal chains. Oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> look, iconic. <laughs> they were, they were fully ready to fuck shit up. Yeah. <clears throat> So the women who joined the gangs were mostly from working class neighborhoods. Um, and it was perhaps, it's speculated that uh, they started joining these gangs because they knew they had no chance of becoming like that traditional trophy wife. Okay. And like the the desired like submissive, rich, like house wife yeah. that people desired at the time in the 60s. And so they were like, mm, I'm going to do what I want. So they formed their own gangs and it was typically started in schools. 
which is why the uniforms Mm -hmm. were worn. And um, between school groups, they would just brawl. (laughs) They would fight in the street. (laughs) Like, we go to East High, you go to West High, but when we see each other, we're going to... We're going to be the sharks and the jets and just rumble? Yeah. Oh, my God. With And keep in mind, they kept razors and oh chains gosh. on them. Yeah. They were not to be... Like, you think, like, oh, I'm a cute little schoolgirl in my uniform. They... This was not a dance battle. No. This, this was, was not... Like, this was not Stomp the Earth. There was... <laughs> <laughs> They're stomping each other's faces. Yeah. And... The gang membership numbers ranged from size. And so when, okay, when I read this, I was like, okay, girl gangs in schools, whatever. The, one of the smaller groups was called the Tokyo's United Shoplifters Group. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Very accurate name, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And they had about 80 girls. 80? Yeah. Eight zero. Yeah. That's a smaller group. Um, Keep in mind. Oh boy. They had numbers. They, the Sukibon girl gangs were, they, they were rivaling the Yakuza in size. Wow. There was a lot. So, and the biggest one, which is called the Kanto Women Delinquent Alliance, <laughs> is had roughly 20,000 oh girls God. who were sworn These in. are school girls? These are like, These are like high school age girls. Yeah. They're like roughly, I guess, you know, and then maybe early like college year age yeah. group. Yep. That are just getting together to fuck shit up. Yep. And destroy people. Yep. Oh my And steal shit. Gosh. Yep. <laughs> that is wild. I have, I recently heard of these ladies and was like, why have I been robbed of knowing about them my whole right? life? <laughs> They're huge. And okay, I'll get to the end and you'll be like, wow, what an unsatisfying way for them to fall. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there. We're getting there. So within the gangs... They were, they were super organized. And, like, you have to be if you have 20,000 people in your group. Yeah. Even 80 people in your group. We we are three people, and I'm always late. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm never ready when, when Kiana finally gets here. Yeah. So it's, like, it's hard to organize. So they had a set hierarchy and a strict co- strict code of justice between gangs and within your own gang. Oh. Um, so almost like a corporation, they had a president mm-hmm. of the gang, an advisor... And, a, and an accountant. Oh. <clears throat> and they ran the organizations. And they were in charge of creating um, levels of punishment for rule breakers within the group. And the punishments were referred to as lynching. But, I mean, obviously, we're from the U.S., so yes. that means something very different. But it oh, is okay. not that. Oh, okay. But that's what it's... That's what they had... In every article, uh-huh. that's what it was referred to. It was to. referred to as lynching. Yeah. But we're not actually lynching. Yeah. They're not lynching anybody. No. Okay. Um, so minor offenses were punished by cigarette burns. Ooh. Most Ooh. commonly. That's a bad time. Medium offenses were um, punished by cigarette burns in, quote, intimate places. <gasps> no! Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Ow. Ooh. Yeah. And major offenses were punished by, um, I don't know. Because oh. the oh. Only, every article that I had that I read, and specifically in the Japanese Inferno group, Inferno group. The Japanese schoolgirl Inferno book. Oh, okay. <laughs> book. Um, it said, the hardest of punishments rival anything in the Spanish Inquisition mm. and are simply too terrible to mention here. Oh, no. And I, 
actively searched for something. Oh my god! <laughs> could not find it. Guys, if anybody doesn't know, the Spanish Inquisition was real bad. Yeah. Lots and lots of people were tortured to death. Yeah. I oh. wish I knew. I really looked really hard and felt kind of um, fucked up. <laughs> right? I was like, seek upon girl game, violent, punishment, bad stuff, Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> please tell me. Wow. I found one small anecdote of violence. Because uh-huh. for... This was at like 3 a.m. last night, and I was like, <laughs> I want blood. <laughs> we want some blood to be shed. I want to know. Tell me. Tell me. Okay. Um. So, one of the most famous Tsukiban girls was the president of the Kanto Women Delinquent Alliance group, which is the 20,000. Mm-hmm. And her, nick- her nickname was Keiko the Razor. Oh, shit. Because she kept a razor within her breasts, like... In like her inner cleavage, yeah, Oof. and it was wrapped. Yeah, so like, but like, you know, uh-huh. she wasn't cutting up her titty or anything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like shredded ribbon in there. <laughs> um, but she was known to be able to like quick draw the razor <gasps> and would slash people's faces with it. Oh my gosh! She's just like, bam! You can't see. I just did a hand movement. Like the podcast, <laughs> you can't. You can't see it. I can see it, guys. It was very fast. Probably yeah. not as fast as this per- particular woman was, but... Oh, no. Because she was known for... It, it's like... She's quick drawing a razor from between her titties, guys. Yeah. And it's like this urban is... legend status of how wow. quick she was with her drawing. Oh, draw. my gosh. That's so scary. Yeah. I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Holding a razor between my titties alone. <laughs> <laughs> right? When I have to change the, ex- the, the blade in my X-Acto knife... I do it in the most delicate way possible because I'm so afraid I might accidentally cut my finger. And she's like, "Whatcha?" Just like whipping them out. Yeah, I didn't even. Faces. I didn't even think about razors in terms of exacto knives. Um, I have a story about a box cutter that I'll introduce <laughs> very recently. So I um, I use box cutters wrong. I know I do because you're supposed to. You're supposed to use it and go away from you. Yeah. And I go towards me because it's just easier. Nobody does. Yeah. Nobody does it the right way. Everybody does yeah. it the unsafe way. And I'm aggressively, I was aggressively like, I haven't hurt myself yet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Christmas time this year, I was trying to fashion a box with these box cutters that I had just acquired. I was very excited <laughs> to use. <laughs> and so you're trying to, wait, you're trying to make a box out of a box? Yes. Okay. Because what I was trying, I it was that easel that I had gotten. That's right. Okay. And it, it was just, it was taller than me. It was a weird shape. It was a weird shape. So I was like, I need to cut up a box and like tape it together and mm-hmm. make something so that I can wrap that. And it ended up not working very well. Mostly because <laughs> I was on my like knees <laughs> cutting this box towards me and it like, Hopped up because it got stuck in a hard point, and I slashed my knee open. It like, it getting graphic here. It like popped open and the skin just <gasps> opened, and I could see inside my knee. Oh my god! <laughs> and was immediately cold sweats, clammy hands, and I started having a panic attack. Because as you do when you can see inside your own body. As you do? Oh my god. Did you get but stitches? No. Oh my. Because... I can't. I can't. 
I can't. I was, but I went into the bathroom because my bedroom is carpeted. I went into the bathroom and was like, we didn't have, we didn't have band-aids. <laughs> And so I, like, was grabbing toilet paper super lightheaded and, like, trying to stop the bleeding, but it was running down my leg. Oh, my God. I was very afraid, but also I was like, Kiana, you're so fucking stupid. (laughs) So I was laughing while also just alone laying on the ground in my bathroom. (laughs) And, like, with one hand I was texting Zeth, who was at work, and I was like, there's a lot of blood. (laughs) I've, I've cut myself. Oh my god. Kiana, when you can see inside your leg, you have to go get it's, stitches. I still have the scar. But um, it's his, the wound has finally closed? The wound has finally... Actually, it opened in the snow. Oh. Because I, when I was taking my pants off, it started bleeding. And I was like, girl, stop. <gasps> you should be healed. I have had too much to drink <laughs> to deal. Um, yeah. So that's my story with a box cutter. And then a week later, I was tearing apart a couch. And, uh... <laughs> With a box cut, with the same goddamn box cutter. It was a different box cutter. It was smaller, which is more dangerous when you're cutting up a couch. I don't want to know why you were cutting up a couch. It was taking up space. (laughs) It needed to be thrown out. (laughs) So she went at it with a fucking, I'm going to saw you in half with this box cutter. I I went in there with a box cutter, a hammer, and determination. And I did it. So... (laughs) I only stabbed my hand once with the box cutter. Oh, for Pete's sake. And then, now I'm not allowed to use box cutters, and my nope. roommates won't let me. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is, I can't even imagine keeping a razor in my titty, because I would be hurting myself more than anybody else. Um, you, you would look like Ezard, Edward Scissorhands, <clears throat> except in your bosoms. Yeah, probably my face, too. Can you, like, <laughs> my chin. <laughs> I'd, like, quick draw it out and, like, cut <laughs> up in my neck on the way up. <laughs> Oof. So Keiko the Razor was Sorry. a skilled uh, razor-zition. Razor, razor-zition. Yeah, like a magician. <laughs> with a, razor. a magician with razors. Yes. Juggling razors. Slashing people's faces. Yes. But that's the only... Okay. That's that's as violent as we're going to get in this story. Okay. That's good, because I'm getting a little woozy over here. A little lightheaded that my titan. Sorry. Know. Sorry about it to any of our squeamish listeners, guys. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I should have put a... Uh, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Skip it. It's fine. It's life. It's Get used true. To it. Everybody gets injured sometimes. Everybody bleeds. Okay. Back to the story. Back. Despite the reputation for crime and no holds barred violence, Sukiban culture was centered on the belief that above all, girls should be brought to the front of Absolutely. society. Um, fierce loyalty was upheld throughout the, the gangs and... Like we said, like, like I said before, people would face punishments if the morals were broken. And whether you loved or hated these girls, there was no avoiding them and their message of either empowerment or terror if you love the patriarchy. Ooh. Yeah. That is a bold statement. Like, yeah. <clears throat> you can be with us or we'll beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And s- literally smash your patriarchy. Yeah. If you don't like it, I don't care. This is my, <laughs> this is my world. <laughs> Um, but as the gang's media exposure grew, they became a key component in the portrayal of women in the 70s in Japanese film. Mm. So this is when Japanese women started getting more, um, of a storyline of, like, violence and empowerment rather than, like, the, like, help me, I'm a lady. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, Sailor Moon. Okay. Yeah. Is, like, directly an influence from the Sukiban girl gang. Um, there was a, I read about it, 
a lot of it's been watered down since then because they really were like super violent and aggressive. Sure. But there was a um, detective who like wore the wore the Sukiban girl look, but mm. then like leather gloves, and her mm. her, her weapon was a yo yo. <laughs> <laughs> and so like crime would happen, and she'd be like, eh. "I'm gonna like, walk the dog on your ass around the world." <laughs> Um, and they actually inspired Kill Bill also. I was just going to say, I wonder if that has has any influence on on the yeah. bride in Kill Bill. And the other, obviously the other people that she has to fight. It's been a while since I've seen Kill Bill. I've never seen Kill Bill. I oh, watched for Pete's sake. Well, okay, here's the thing. There was a lot of movies I wasn't allowed to watch as a kid. And I just grew up and I was like, well, yeah. I can never watch them. Anyway, back to the bad bitches. Oh, okay. So they became a key component. Component. <laughs> they became a key component in the portrayal of women in the seventies, and the first like emergence of them being violent and not like the typical woman was through a genre called pinky violence. Mm. Um, and they were they were like exploitation movies. Uh huh. Um, and t- titles included Lynch Law Classroom. Girl Boss Gorilla, and School of the Holy Beast. I've watched the shit out of those movies. <laughs> um, I think I might have taken out the whole part because I was like, I can't go on a Quentin Tarantino, like, side note. So, yeah. But there's one specific pinky film that inspired Kill Bill. Oh, okay. And, um, because I haven't seen the movie, it's really hard for me to talk about. Uh-huh. But one of the, there's a girl in it. Who's mm-hmm. not Uma Thurman and or Lucy Liu. Yeah. There's a little girl, there's a little girl in a school girl uniform? Uh, yes. Yeah. So she's, I think she f- starred in one of these movies. Oh, okay. That's awesome. And he was like, I like that a lot. I, I need So I'm going to actually take her and she's a part of this film. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch this movie. Okay. They, they like... A lot of the media that we associate with Japan nowadays uh-huh. is, like, directly inspired from them. Perfect. Um, so, a woman named Alicia Kazima, who wrote a book called Pinky Violence, Shock, Awe, and the Exploitation of Sexual Liberation, explained that the films were a type of radically feminine... Oh, that's wrong. Um, explained that <laughs> they were a type of radically radically female solidarity that was not only uncommon for film at the time, but film at any time, because the women cast in the film were usually not professional actors, wore their own clothes in the films, and did their own hair and makeup. It was, it has a type of authenticity that is both deeply felt and exceedingly rare. Wow. Yeah. This is absolutely fascinating. I am going to listen to this book, and I want to watch some of these movies, because... Yeah. That's so cool. That was definite. <laughs> There's a cat meowing outside. <laughs> That's what my cat sounds like. He sounds like a dying robot. He's on the other side of the doors singing the song of his people. <laughs> he wants to know about the Sukiban girl gang so sure bad. <laughs> um, okay, and I have another quote, and it's Dr. Laura Miller a professor at the University of Missouri who grew up in Osaka during the time of the Sukiban mm. girl game, um, <clears throat> said there there were th- 
There were countless films, comics, novels, anime, and also, of course, porn versions of the Sukiban media products. Uh, for middle-class women, the Sukiban, Sukiban and the media were a welcome relief from the chirpy, babyish idols. For girls in working-class schools who were bullied by the real Sukiban, they were a source of fear and distaste, <laughs> <laughs> similar to how Japanese view Yakuza. At the same time, also similar to the Yakuza, they were admired for having their own code of ethics and for the value they placed on loyalty to the gang. Well, shit. Yeah. So they... This is them at their peak, but also at their tail end of, yeah. like, they sort of were falling out of mm-hmm. um, their, this lifestyle. Yeah. But the media had picked it up, and it just started everything. It just, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they created this tidal wave. Yeah. and that, But then, like, the media took it and just ran with it. Yeah. While they were kind of trickling off yeah but people are still going oh oh no yeah (laughs) um and yeah the japanese audiences were extremely intrigued by these stories and later western the western world was intrigued by their stories but it was kind of shitty because what they were protesting against by wearing the long skirts Mm -hmm. and being violent also became what they were exploited for and the sexual appeal of them was, like, bumped up. Oh, yeah. And so, all of a sudden, these long, iconic skirts became super short. So, it was, it's kind of sad that they, what they had been against is kind of what they then were portrayed as. Yeah. We're fighting so hard to not be this one thing that people assume we should be or say we should be, and then, like, come full circle yeah. And what they were protesting mm-hmm. came back around and was like, but actually we're just going to turn you back into exactly what we want you to be. Yeah. Ugh. They're just going to repackage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's pretty, it's pretty sad. Um, and, okay, so I'm on to my last, my last few notes because, okay. like, as I said, they were kind of trickling out of existence. Uh-huh. So... To combat the organized crime that was the Sukiban girl group and the Yakuza, the Japan government has... J- the Japan government? The Japanese government has a very um, strange way of addressing them. So, okay. this is a quote, and if it's not true, it, the internet told me. Okay. <laughs> um, so, they just let it happen with the assumption that joining a gang is a phase in a person's life and that it will solve itself in time. Oh. Which is... Wild to think that somebody yeah. just outgrows a life of crime. Yeah, and so like I keep I keep mentioning the yakuza because they're like the the one. Yeah, they have office spaces in Japan of like this is the yakuza office. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't even like in in you got a problem call I one eight hundred yakuza. <laughs> and like because like with I mean I don't know much about mafia stuff, but in the U.S. it's like you have to have a front for like your crime. Sure. Yeah. Just like, you can't just be like, hey, Mafia and Ink. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta own, like, a coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> but or not a restaurant. any coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they're just like, you know what? Do this. We'll get you for charges that are, like, bad. If you, like, murder somebody, that's murder. But be an organized crime. <laughs> um, but they're right. 
Because what happened to the Sukiban girl group, the yeah. fall of it, they just outgrew it. Like, they all just went, I've gotten it out of my system. Yep. I have terrorized people for long enough. Yeah. I'm ready to, quote unquote, grow up. And yeah, Keiko was like, I'm retiring this razor. I'm going to have a family. <laughs> and that's the end of that. We're not going to talk about that anymore. Wow. Yeah. Can, okay. Can we just imagine for a second? <laughs> you know, like, sometimes I find out things about my mom mm-hmm. that I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You know, you have those moments as as, as an adult mm-hmm. finding these things out about your parents. Can you just even <laughs> wrap your brain around being like, I'm sorry, mom. Could you come at me with that again? You did what when you were 19? Kept a razor between your boobs? I can't go out late at night, but you were able to slash people's faces, Mom? (laughs) Wow. Talk about do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Holy shit. And I, like, and this was, this is roughly getting to, like, 4 a.m. when I was doing this research. Uh I was like, this this can't be the end. They had to go out in a bank. They had to do something. But, like, all of everything that I went, and I even went to some, like, Separate blogs and stuff that I didn't mention, mm-hmm. but just to see if they had any say about what the ending was, and it was just, they outgrew it. It just, it just ended. Yeah. One, just one at a time, they all just left. Yep. That t- 20,000. Oh, that is the most unsatisfactory <laughs> ending. The 20,000 girls who were in that one group, but they were just one group, so there was a th- yeah. thousands of women who were just like, Okay. The time is now. The time is now. I'm over it. Moving on. Yeah. They're like, we did what we wanted to do. Who cares? Wow. Um, and my last sentence. Yeah, the closest manifesta- manifestation of the Suki Bun girl gangs today are um, a recent phenomenon of all-girl motorcycle gangs in Japan. I fucking love that. Yeah. And they don't wear schoolgirl uniforms. They wear, like, the, the full, like, body, like... Uh-huh. The thing you wear to motorcycle? Yeah, yeah. And they, like, <laughs> and they, like, paint their nails and, like, that's their look now. But that's the closest, Ooh, yes. the closest thing to it. But they aren't as, um, into expressing violently. Gotcha. As a super I was gonna game. say, are they, are they as, as violent? No. Are they also stashing razor blades between their, you know, motorcycle padding? <laughs> or are they just, like, we're gonna go raise some hell and ride our motorcycles? Yeah. And they, they started because... It was originally, like, the girlfriends of men who were in motorcycle gangs who got sick of riding on the back of their motorcycles. And they're like, you know what? I'm tired of riding, bitch. Mm -hmm. I'm getting my own bike. I'm tired of riding, bitch. I'm (laughs) the bitch. Where's my bike? And they, like, decorate their bikes, too. That's so cool. Yeah. But what a great story. Again, a little disappointed that they all just were kind of like, meh, I'm over it. Yeah. And moved on. But... I mean, who doesn't have that phase where they go, boy, I made some decisions. <laughs> now I'm ready to yeah. move past these things. Um, and I love it because the way the, the Japanese women are portrayed in the media are, like, docile. And yes. these, these girls show that, like, we sometimes think of Japanese people as, like, homogenous. But they're mm-hmm. not. They have personalities within themselves. They're, like, really out there and they're not all subscribing to this traditional culture that we stereotype them as. Uh, uh, that's so perfect. You did such a great <laughs> job. I, I, oh, 
highly recommend just Google Sukeban Girl Gangs, um, S-U-K-E-B-A-N Girl Gangs, and look at the pictures. Because it's just a Ugh. bunch of girls looking pissed. Just angry at the world, ready to just fuck some shit up. We're putting that on Insta. Yeah. Don't oh, worry, definitely. guys. It'll be all over. We'll make sure that you that you see these women. You see it. Because, yeah. Wow. Oh, I love it. Oh, yay! That was such a good episode, everyone. I'm so pleased. Last week was a little bit of a downer. It was. <laughs> so this week we came back with more... Uh, uh, more moxie. And next next week is going to be even more. Because we've both done our research on pretty incredible women. I mean, they're all incredible women. Good, bad, or otherwise. <laughs> yeah. they, they are serving the moxie 100%. And, yeah, it's just, we're going to keep them coming at you. So, yeah, I can buckle up, kids. Okay. Well. We've come to the end. We have, we're going to, we're going to, we got to wrap it up. Yeah. Follow us on all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at That Broad's Got Moxie. And you can email us suggestions or forbid corrections i mean mm-hmm. we're <laughs> we're doing a lot of googling yeah. so if there's anything that we got wrong or you need to add to it or if you have any suggestions about moxie ladies or connections or connections if you're grandma or like <gasps> oh mother. my gosh yes we want to know Tell us your tell us their stories. Yeah, we want to, we want to know all of these things. Yes. So you can email us at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail dot com, mm-hmm. and make sure you rate, review, yeah. and subscribe mm-hmm. wherever you are listening. Quick note: Danny pointed out to me last night that sometimes when you say things, mm-hmm. I say things right after you, like Timmy and Tommy on the Sandlot. <laughs> She played a little snippet for me, and I was like, son of a bitch, I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm working on it, kids. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's right. it. That's a wrap. Yeah. Stay moxie. Stay moxie. Bye. Bye.